We thought you might like to know an interesting statistic that regular family meals can decrease substance abuse, unwanted pregnancy, obesity, depression, lower academic performance. It's really helpful in building up your kids. Today, I'm excited to welcome Dr. Michael Foley and Father Leo Padalinghug about their new book, and we'll discuss how to build a family meal habit in your home here on The Chris Spangle Show. Welcome to The Chris Spangle Show. Thank you so much for joining me here on the program. And I'm excited about today's show because it is a topic that I don't engage in but really need to. And it is discussing family meals and the importance of building community around food. And my two guests are two very smart, very charismatic, energetic people. And I'm excited to talk to them. The first is Reverend Leo Paddling Hug. And he is the a Catholic priest who founded the Plating Grace Mission and the Table Foundation. And it's also the host of the TV show Savoring Our Faith on EWTN. And our other guest is Mike, Dr. Michael Foley. Excuse me. You worked hard for that doctor, and I don't want to leave that out. And he is, he's so smart, I don't even know what he does. This word is patristics. So we'll have Dr. Foley explain patristics. And he teaches the great texts at Baylor University and is a professor of theology at the Aquinas Institute and author of over 14 books, including Drinking with the Saints, Drinking with St. Nick. And they have a new book out, and it is called Dining with the Saints. We'll talk a little bit about their book. Thank you both so much for joining me. Let me start with Dr. Foley. Please educate me on patristics. I was baptized Catholic as a baby. I'm now a Reformed Baptist. My apologies to you both. So I'm not quite familiar with that piece of theology. Yeah, it fools a lot of people. It confuses a lot of people. It is the study of the church fathers. And the church fathers uh, are the Christian influencers from like AD 100 to about AD 700. Okay, fantastic. That explains Dining with the Saints, a, basically a cookbook where you're dining with the saints and discussing those fathers. That would make sense that you would write that book. And then one of Father Leo, I watched a video when I got introduced to you. You are constantly out speaking and traveling and bringing people together with food. You're a Catholic priest. Tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got involved in what you're doing. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. So my work as a priest is to feed the flock. They call us fathers because we provide the spiritual food and pastors because we're supposed to feed the sheep, so to speak. And this book is my fifth book. And all of my work has to do with bringing people back around the dinner table. It's a theology of food that I've created. And what we've done, Dr. Foley and I, is we've actually worked together. And this is our first time doing it. And it's been a fantastic experience. We're trying to get people to invite the saints to eat with them at their dinner table because holy people at your dinner table really changes how you eat, why you eat, and what you eat. The beautiful thing about saints, though, is that they're not stuffy in any way. They can eat and drink everything as long as they know it comes from God. Dr. Foley, that doesn't seem as a non-Catholic when you think of saints. You think of having gone to a lot of Catholic mass with my grandmother. That's oh, very stuffy. Why and how do you make these saints explode out onto the page to make them a part of the movie? They really are just so interesting. And to be perfectly honest with you, interesting to the point of bizarre. The saints did crazy things extreme things. And they did so for one reason, 
they were in love. And lovers do crazy things when they're in love. They stand outside in the rain and serenade you and do all kinds of strange stuff. And the saints were like that. They were in love with God. Today is March 9th. It's the Feast of St. Francis of Rome. And she was a crazy lover for God. She would voluntarily undergo these severe mortifications. She would only eat bread. And she would actually pickpocket beggars. She would look for bread among the beggars that she served. And she would take their coarse bread and replace it with finer bread so that she would have the worst of the bread. This is noteworthy behavior, and it makes for interesting conversation around the dinner table. Yeah, let's talk about that, because that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you both on to discuss it, because the pitch from your publisher was... Children who don't have a regular dining habit with their families show higher rates of the following. Increased substance abuse, unwanted pregnancies, depression, obesity, lower academic standards. I am just now starting my family. My We have a four-year-old. We have a baby on the way. And it's easy to fall into. Let's uh, set up the TV trays on the couch, watch TV, put the kid on the tablet. And then you snap yourself out of it a couple times a month ago. You really should have a family dinner. And then there's much wailing and gnashing of teeth when you take the tablet away. So this is a habit that I'd like to build with my family. Why is this important? Why should I want to start, first of all? Start with the father. Go ahead. Absolutely. I want to go back to an observation you made about the Catholic faith and the mass being stuffy, because it has to do with what you would like to do for your family, and that's to elevate the experience of your family dinner. The Catholic mass is certainly for everybody, but it requires an education and understanding of how wonderful and and exhilarating it is. It would be just as uncomfortable as a child sitting at a a fine five-course tasting menu at Per Se or at the French Laundry. They're not going to understand it. But when you get older, you start to appreciate the nuances and you realize, my gosh, this is quite an elevated experience. And so the family meal has to be the combination of both formal, where there are rules, there are structures, but also familiar, where you feel at home. And what we're trying to do is to let people know that church, that faith, there is that same formality. We're talking to the divine God, and there needs to be some sort of structure, if not it's chaos, but also to make sure that we know that we can feel at home. The family meal, I always say, it's not important but it's necessary to keep your family together. Where else, especially when your kids get older, can you spend that time together in the most intimate act other than what couples do in a bedroom? You feed each other, you serve each other, and in so doing, love each other. Dr. Foley? Yeah, I obviously I completely agree. And Chris, the one thing I would say to you is don't make the mistake I did or my wife and I did, we had family meals consistently. And then a couple of years ago, our kids had evening tennis practice and it interfered with our normal family time. And we let the family meal go by the wayside. And, and we actually could see a difference in sort of family cohesion. The kids that were affected by this new lack of a family meal, quite frankly, are a little more feral 
than the than the other <laughs> kids, more aloof. And so we brought it back and there was wailing and gnashing of teeth. It was difficult. They come home from tennis. They're tired. They want to shower. No, you sit down first. Food is ready. And they're still a little grumpy about it, but at least they will have enlarged vocabularies to articulate their grumpiness because whether they like it or not, they're benefiting from it. And so we're not letting it go again. Yeah, you are the father of six. My wife is the oldest of 11 kids. And I can tell you that the the 10 year old in her family, because of their regular family meals, is as articulate as the 24 year old oftentimes. And they really engage in deep conversation about politics, religion, current events, science. They're all very smart. And this like they don't have a TV in their living room, which to a spangle is just heresy. But compared to the way that I grew up, what have you noticed with your kids, Dr. Foley, over the six kids that you have? What impact has it had on them beyond just getting sloppy and seeing some of the difference? Define feral for me. What I meant by feral is the kids affected by the loss of the family meal were a bit more aloof, a little less social with their parents, and, and actually less capable of making a good argument. So the older kids, they're now college age, so they're not under the roof. And so we don't have the family meal with them as we'd like to. But the older kids had different experiences with it. We've talked quite frankly about it. My oldest daughter said she hated family meal at the time, but she looked back. She's looking back at it now. She's 23 with gratitude. And she says, the one thing I did learn from you, dad, is that you can't win an argument with tears. And indeed, there were tears at the dinner table. She was very impassioned about her opinions, as teenagers are wont to be. But uh, she couldn't leave the table. She couldn't cry her way through. If you're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. And she's grateful for that. It helped her grow up. My second oldest daughter had a similar experience. She said, I didn't quite like it at the time, but I knew it was good for me. And then my teenage son said, I knew it was good for me, and I did like it at the time. I loved it. I loved the drama of the family meal. <laughs> so, do you, Father Leo, give us some statistics on why this is important. What do you see as you're out working with people, and maybe when you zoom back and you're writing this book, thinking about statistics and averages of families, give us, and give us some more evidence that this is really important. So we just simply take the converse and realize that the majority of people who are in trouble, whether they be in the prison system or struggle with just relationships and their maturity, they have something in common. They don't eat together as a family. Part of the work that I do is uh, with Plating Grace. It's a movement to bring families around the dinner table. I have a nonprofit group called the Table Foundation, and we sponsor a social enterprise. It's a food truck. And we work with people coming out of the prison system or disadvantaged communities. And one of the consistent things that they tell us is that they never had family meals. And the role of mom and dad, which represents God the Father and Mother Church, have a responsibility to feed the flock. And let's just admit, parents now know what God goes through trying to feed children good things, because we know that there are forces that want to feed your family bad things. And working with a population that didn't grow up with family meals, we just realized that the devil, who is very real, 
is very good at making bad things look good. And I always tell families, if you don't feed your kids, the devil will. Yeah, a lot of cinnamon toast crunch and dino nuggets and what my friend Ms. Pat calls oven food is what the four-year-old is craving. And But we'll go to, where did we go? And she wanted Chick-fil-A. She wanted broccoli instead of fries, which I was very proud of her. Father Leo, I think we often think nuclear family, 50s, mom, dad, ideal, obviously. But there are a lot of people who may be listening and going, I'm single or I have or I'm a priest or I have I'm a single parent. And it's really hard to put those meals together in conversation about this. What do you what have what advice do you give for different families outside of that kind of like stereotypical mindset? I think technique is so key to having a good experience in the kitchen as a priest. 25 years next year, but also a professional chef. I do cook for myself oftentimes when I'm home, but when I'm traveling, I'll try hard to find someone to share a meal with because it is not good for a man to be. That's just the scriptures. And so this idea of coming together, we have to understand the techniques that work. So making meal prep, super easy, getting your kid involved now in the cooking process, discerning what it is that they like, don't like, why? These are questions that I ask in one of my other books, making sure that they have a taste of other cultures because it exposes them to a global world. And then also asking them questions that aren't impossible to answer. Who would you like to invite for dinner next week? Things like this are just techniques to facilitate opportunities for togetherness. Dr. Foley, I see you shaking your head. Weigh in. No, I absolutely agree. I, Father Leo, I think, had a much earlier experience cooking than I did in my family. I'm from an Irish-American family. We weren't very big into cooking, it, which is sometimes for the best. You don't want an Irishman in the kitchen. But, but So I never grew up cooking, but I learned to cook for myself the first time that I was away from a dorm or away from my family in college. I was in an apartment and I had to learn how to make things like pasta, which I had never made for myself before. And I suddenly discovered this is fun. It's, I'm turning raw materials into something that doesn't taste halfway bad. So to enjoy the technique, I do think is a big part of it. And then even if it is alone, and I do think there is a danger, and I'm married 25 years, but there was a long time when I was living alone, there, there is a danger in letting both your etiquette and your health decline when you're just eating alone. Tempted to cut corners and have junk food instead of real food, and it will cause health problems. Don't lose the technique. Don't lose the joy of cooking, even when it's for yourself. How dare you come in this podcast and attack me for the eight years that I was a bachelor before I got remarried? The Let's talk about technique and let's talk about how to introduce this because I would guess that people listening are saying, oh, I don't have time, but really it's the intimacy that's scarier than anything. It's the intimacy of talking with their wife or their husband or their partner or their kids. or And that's maybe why our majority male audience is thinking, I really should lead in this respect, but I just don't want that vulnerability. And it's just a lot of effort. 
What advice would you give to them, Dr. Foley? Suck it up. (laughs) No, just put yourself out there. As Father Leo said, this isn't important. It's essential, especially if you have a family. And you don't need to be a cordon bleu to have a good family meal. And it's a great activity for the kids. I recently made chili for the family, and I made my reluctant 11-year-old be the sous chef. And he didn't like it, but I was making him stir. And then suddenly he said, wow, this smells really good. Like raw onions went from smelling like raw onions to something good. He he had an awakening. It was an experience. And I was so grateful to be there for that. Yeah, just do it. It's fun. It's going to have its heartaches, but it's going to have its rewards as well. Father Leo, talk about breaking through that wall of vulnerability. Well. I think what we have to do is get people to really think about what food is and where it comes from and its very power. And so in my work, I created a theology of food. And what I've discovered, and this is common sense, is that only humans in all of God's creation, only humans cook. We're the only animals in all of creation that can take something and sous vide it, to grill it, to add barbecue sauce. No other animal does that. And we have to ask ourselves why. Because we are made in God's image and likeness. We have what is called a rational soul. That means we possess something that only God has, which is rationality. So when people don't like doing these things, it makes them less rational and less human. And the worst kind of human, the selfish kind, because it's not about cooking. It's about what food has the power to do. And it makes you selfless. It makes you think about the other people. You want to please them. And I think we're afraid to give them something because they're going to reject us. And so this idea of vulnerability really comes when we're willing to think about the power of food and how it can make us more like God with the responsibility to feed, to serve, because serving is love. These aren't my words. These are Jesus's. So I've got a totally unoriginal approach here. I'm just trying to make it practical for people with a cookbook. So what would you feed? Is the cookbook just a lot of fishes and loaves? Or what is good food in the cookbook that you recommend, Father Leo, what should I be cooking my family to show them love? Apparently not dino nuggets. I think it begins when you ask them, what are you hungering for? Because when you start hung, you address their hungers, then you can start really being a servant for your family and trying to provide that. Chicken nuggets is not a problem, especially if you make it yourself. We have become very addicted to processed food. And listen, I have zero trouble with processed fast food. I grew up eating some of it myself. The problem is that it just makes you think that I can get everything in a microwavable minute. And God doesn't work that way. God uses a crock pot. It takes a time. It takes a process. If we constantly are going for the cheap and easy, we become incredibly entitled and incredibly impatient and basically just a very annoying customer to your mom and dad. So what we've got to do is address what they're hungering for and then think about it This is the discernment part. And then doing your research, making this an experience of you 
for them. And yes, you could also just practice looking through the book and finding out which sounds good because you taking the lead really is going to be a memory for that child that daddy wanted to feed me. That's an amazing, that's an amazing memory to have. Now, Irishman Foley, have you gotten better at cooking? Like, what do you cook at your house? And how do you recommend figuring out what to cook? I certainly have gotten better since teaming up with Father Leo. I have not gone through every one of the recipes that he provided for the book. Not yet. But one that I have tried has been a winner. And just to give you an example, Father Leo has a wonderful recipe called Gratin Dauphinois. It's this rich French potato dish. Lots of cheese and cream. And I made it for the family. And I have a couple of kids that are picky eaters. And they said, wow, this potato dish is the best potato dish I've ever had. I did not know that a potato could taste this good. That's very cool. And then where did the saints come in? Again, my apologies, but my wife's family, they used table the Luther's table topics to get things going. I'm guessing you have your Catholic version of that in the book. And how do you spark conversation amongst the family once you've actually set the food on the table? One thing about saints' stories, like we were talking about a moment ago, is that they are memorable. And so if you were to read one of these stories after you made a dish in their honor, you've got great food for thought, right? You've got grist for the mill to discuss, and you can branch out in any number of directions. Just trust the Holy Spirit and talk about whatever hook happens to capture the imagination of your family. Father Leo? Yeah, I think it's important to not ask the typical questions like, how was your day-to-day? Because those are one-word responses. And honestly, I don't know if you really do care if it was good or if it was bad. I think what you need to do is be a master of asking questions. So it could be as simple as, I I hope you had a good day-to-day. What were some of the highlights? Boom. It's not a one-word answer. And so what we've got to do is use the food as a vehicle to just conversation. And using the food could just be as simple as, hey, I made this recipe because it was in honor of this particular Christian, a saint, and boy, they had a really crazy life. What do you think about blank? What do you think if someone did this? It would just be just an opportunity to expand, as you've all said, a vocabulary, but also an imagination. Because we believe that every meal is an opportunity for a message. Dr. Foley, did you want to add anything there? I saw you nodding. Absolutely. Just to, We were just talking at the beginning of the interview with, about St. Francis of Rome and her curious trade-offs with the pouches of beggars. And th- that's a great talking point. Technically, she's Is she committing a theft? Should she go to jail rather than be canonized a saint? What's going on? What if the beggar preferred coarse bread to fine bread? What about his rights to possess his coarse bread? This is a this is an odd practice that she had, and it's worth discussing. It brings up all kinds of issues of ethics and other such things. So it makes for fun conversation. Oh, and she only drank water, which she drank out of a human skull, which she used as a cup. And so when I read this to my kids today, where'd she get the skull? 
You know, <laughs> whose skull was it? Is this a disrespect for human remains? Aren't we supposed to bury bodies in consecrated grounds? Did the owner of the skull, does he object to his use of his skull as a cup? There's a lot of good talking points. Is she a saint or should she go to jail for this weird stuff? <laughs> Father Leo, one of the original hard rockers, Ozzy Osbourne in Saint form. We, the dinner table is always a place where we talk about other It's the family's water cooler. So why not talk about people who gave their lives to God? And yeah, they were quirky. They were weird. And then we can always ask the question, hey, how are you quirky for God? This whole yeah. idea is just giving them an opportunity to talk about the right people at the right place, which is the dinner table. Yeah, that's a really good point. It guards against gossiping. I don't know if you have this in the Catholic world, but in the homeschool world, you join groups of other homeschool families so you can talk about those homeschool families. So this is a great way to guard against some of that talk. All right. Final thoughts, last suggestions, things that I should have asked, but maybe I just don't know to ask it before we move on to the shameless self-promotion part. Father Leo. There's really not much you can't find about the work that I do. And really, it's just fun to be able to talk to other people about this unique book and this movement of bringing families around the dinner table. And I just always say, the better the food, the stronger the family. Dr. Foley. I would concur. The, the sort of tagline of our latest cookbook or a new cookbook is the family that dines together shines together. And that is true, even if it is also true that the family that dines together winds together. That's very true. Yeah. you, uh, Dr. Foley, shameless self-promotion time. I see you wrote the Politically Incorrect Guide to Christianity. You've written a lot of books. Where can people follow you and find uh, this book as well as your other work? There is a drinkingwiththesaints.com website, but I'm most active on our Facebook page. So you are most, most welcome to join that Facebook community. It's simply the Drinking with the Saints Facebook page. And we have not only Drinking with the Saints cocktail ideas for the church here, but we'll also have information about recipes from this cookbook. I love you Catholics, man. It reminds me of all my mom's side of the family. My grandma, godly woman, pounding shots while she was it's different when I grew up Methodist. Father Leo, final thoughts. Where can people follow you? What should they look out for and where? Yeah, so you can go to platinggrace.com. It's got all the information about our online community, the other books that I've written, including the book with the recipe that beat Bobby Flay in a Food Network throwdown. You've got information on our TV show, Savoring Our Faith. And of course, all of our social media can be found there as well. So platinggrace.com is the website or Instagram is where we do a lot of work as well as Facebook. Just find If you just Google Father Leo, I think I'm the first guy that pops up. So just have fun and follow there. I'll put the links in the show notes. Thank you both so much for joining me this it was a fun conversation, and I hope that uh, people get a lot out of it and that they go check out the book I, at Amazon, and I'll put a link to that in our show notes. And thank you so much for joining me.